As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. Hello and welcome to the Game Podcast from The Times. I'm Natalie Sawyer. And I'm Gabriel Marcotti. And we thank you for joining us on this lovely Monday after a rather busy Sunday, you could say. And we welcome back the very excellent Alison Rudd. And down the line, oh yes, you guessed it, it's Paul Hurst. Later on, we'll be discussing the latest Leicester manager to bite the dust. But we start at Wembley, where for the first time in their history, Manchester City retained a major trophy winning the Carabao Cup. Raheem Sterling with the winning spot kick in a penalty shootout after a goalless draw with Chelsea. But the match was overshadowed by the Arisa Balaga saga. Can we just all agree to call him Kepa? I think Kepa's better. Yeah, like nobody calls him Arisa Balaga. Kepa's good. We'll do that. Uh, The Chelsea manager, Maurizio Sarri, attempted to substitute his goalkeeper in the closing stages before the shootout, but Kepa appeared to refuse to come off and stayed on the pitch as a result. Now, Sarri said after the game it was all a misunderstanding regarding his fitness, but at the time... He clearly was very angry, Alison. You were there. Yeah. No, well, he wasn't. He might be a very good actor, Maurizio Sarri. He was very far from angry when he faced the media afterwards. He was extra smiley, full of jokes about condoms even. I mean, he was he was trying really hard to make this a non-issue when it was clearly a really huge issue that might have cost him his job, to be quite honest, because I thought he'd managed the game really well, surprisingly well. He did some crowd-pleasing stuff with his substitutions. And the masterstroke would have been, and I'm, I think more managers should do this, if, you, if you've got the extra sub in extra time and it's your goalkeeper and your goalkeeper has an excellent shot-stopping rate, bring him on. And also, bring him on against Manchester City, the team he used to play for, and the player who won the League Cup for them against Liverpool. And um, Try to provide some further context on that, Alison. I actually, because I was silly and sad, I actually <laughs> looked up the numbers on this. Kepa has faced 21 penalties in his career, excluding shootouts, and 17 times out of 21, the opponent has scored on him. Right. Uh, Caballero has faced 28 penalties throughout his career and 17 times the opponent has scored on him so it is substantially better but the line though Allison was this isn't why he was going to make that substitution no, but I, I, I actually think it was and this well, is this was. is all part of the fabrication of making it look like it's no big deal Kepper had suffered he was a doubt for this game in the first place he's, he's had um, a hamstring problem he received treatment twice I genuinely think Kepper thought he was being taken off because they thought he wasn't fit enough to carry on. Um, where the manager, Sarri, comes up with, I thought he had cramp. I mean, that isn't how football works. The manager does not sit there, look at a player and think, hmm, I think he might have cramp, I'm going to bring him Didn't up. Didn't he say, though, that that's what he thought he understood over the radio? No, 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 he was told later he hasn't got cramp. He just said, quite boldly, I thought he had cramp. So can you clarify this for this, just because I think, I think it's, in, in, it's important here. Correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe I'm the only person who heard this, but I thought, certainly in the TV interview he gave after the game, I heard, sorry, reference the radio communication with the physios, and 
being told that he had cramps. Did that not happen? Well, I, I, maybe he said different things to different people. The impression I got was he heard over the radio that he hadn't got cramp when he thought he had got cramp. It's not clear to me that he was informed as the manager, your goalkeeper has definitely got cramp, therefore bring him off. Well, that's what he understood can, to have heard. Can we clarify this too, that Sorry doesn't actually sit there and talk on the radio. There's some other dude on the bench whose absolutely, job it is. Absolutely, absolutely. And then on top of that, and I'm looking at the picture here of when it all kicks off and Sorry's down the tunnel, the two physios who went and spoke to Kep a few minutes earlier they're sitting right there behind him on the bench, so they would know whether Kepa was fine or not, right? And yet, neither one of these two guys, as far as we can tell, says anything or intervenes, so that would maybe lend credence to your theory that it wasn't actually a misunderstanding. I know we're being conspiratorial here. Well, we are a bit, and maybe it's a bit unfair, but if you, I was sat there watching it and thinking, this is clever. To take him off is clever. It might be... Shocking to some because, you know, Kep is the most expensive goalkeeper in the world and you're taking him off at the moment when goalkeepers normally shine. But he had, it's a combination of he had had treatment and maybe wouldn't be in tip-top form, whether it's cramp or a, a tweak of his hamstring. And the fact that City did not want to face their former keeper in a penalty shootout. And so, although Kepa should have come off because that's what you do when your manager tells you to, I think he's, you know, he's youngish, he's sort of... It's a his first occasion, big big showpiece final in, in English football. He thought, oh, no, no, they think I'm, I'm injured. I'm not. I'm fine. I've had my little bit of treatment. I'm fine. I can do this. I can do this. And he thought he was being helpful by saying, no, I don't need to come off. I don't need to come off. But if it was just about a misunderstanding about that trio of manager, physio, player, about cramp, there's no way Sarri would have completely lost it. Paul, let's bring you into this then. Um, obviously, Alison, they're making the suggestion that perhaps to bring on Caballero would, was a tactical decision for Sari. What do you think that would have meant had that have happened? How, how, how would City have perceived that substitution? Well, Vincent Company was asked about this afterwards and he said he said that he, he knew the, how good uh, Caballero is at saving penalties so he didn't want him to come on. When he saw him there, he thought, oh no, you know, Caballero's going to come on and he will, you know, he'll stand a much better chance of, of saving the penalties. If you look at the five penalty takers for City... Sterling Bernardo, Sani Aguero and Gundogan. Um, Caballero's trained with, with two of those guys. He's trained with Sterling. He's trained with Aguero. And, you know, over the years, they will have practised penalties a lot. So he would have known, you know, he would have had a fair idea of what they were going to do, much better certainly than, than Kepa would. So, you know, it, it would have made perfect sense for him to bring on Caballero. And, you know, as has been pointed out, he saves three penalties in the 2016 League Cup final. So he's got previous for this. Uh, and I remember being in, in Brazil for the, the Holland-Netherlands-Costa uh, uh, Rica match a few years ago when, when Van Gaal brought Tim Krul on for Chilison and Jasper Chilison. And he, he, was, he wasn't happy with it, Chilison, at the time. But you know, Krul saved penalties and they won the shootout. I just think it's a, a psychological thing, isn't it? You know, seeing another goalkeeper line up on the sideline. Oh, you know, the, the team on the pitch thinks... The opposition thinks, oh no, this guy's been brought on to, you know, to win the shootout. He must be very good at saving penalties. So I think it would have given Chelsea a, a psychological edge if Caballero had come on yesterday. Do you agree with me? If it if it was all about a misunderstanding over something like cramp, there's any way Maurizio Sarri would have had the temper tantrum he did. I, 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 you know, regardless, I think it's 
is a complete lack of respect, isn't it, from from Kepa towards him. I think regardless, you know, if he has got cramp or he hasn't got cramp, he comes off. You know, you are you are employed by a football club whose manager his job is to you know to manage you to pick the team to make those decisions so you come off and I yeah you know, I, I, I don't think I think it was tactical from from Sari I just I, I thought he he thought Kepper you know waving his hands etc was a you know was him saying no I don't think it had anything to do with injury to be honest well I mean that's the kind of the elephant in the room because you know we. I think it's our nature as journalists to kind of figure out, all right, was he telling the truth? Is he covering up for people by coming up with a story about the miscommunication? But whatever the reason was, there was one very basic fact that happened, which is something that people people are like, I've never seen this. I've seen it happen once or twice, but then the player generally goes off, and it tends to be with sort of some impulsive number 10 type genius. I've seen Paolo Di Cagno do it, actually. But you don't see it with a goalkeeper. You don't see it at the stage of the game, a guy who's 25 years old, him just refusing to come off, whatever the reason. And he can say, oh, I didn't realize I was being substituted. I just want to make it clear that, you know, I I was fit. But if that was the case, there's different ways you can do that. One common common sense thing to do is, since sorry can't come onto the pitch, you run over to the sideline and you say, look, I'm totally fine. Are you sure you're not, you know, are you taking me off because you think I'm injured or is there another reason? This is just a terrible look. And I want to get, I want to get your, your views on this because people have criticized Aspilicueta for not getting involved. Other players, certainly a player could have shuttled back and forth to the sideline or whatever. I mean, Alison, you played football, you've refereed football. How do you see it? It's been a theme through Chelsea's season. Do Chelsea have enough leaders in the dressing room and who was going to be the Chelsea captain? And as Pilicueta, I think, gave a very good example of why it's, it's been wrong, in a way, for him to have the captain's armband. I mean, you know, he speaks the same language as the goalkeeper. He, he should have taken charge of that situation, gone to him and said to him in persuasive Spanish, you must leave the pitch now. Well, it was left to David Luiz to do his sort of comedy routine, saying, oh, respect your manager. And Kepa was clearly just, just solely focused on, the world's got it wrong, I'm fit, leave me alone. He, he didn't really hear it properly. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it just makes it look like a badly run club that the manager doesn't know who can get the message from him to the player he wants to come off. Kepa, even though he's sort of apologised and said he didn't mean to, you know, humiliate his manager, he needs to be heavily fined, possibly dropped. It's, it's insubordination and it's stupidity as well. You, just to pick up what you just said, though, with the statement that Sari made afterwards saying it was a misunderstanding, can he really drop him now? Well, he can. Of course. Because he still didn't come up. I mean, whether it's a misunderstanding or not, Natalie, he still didn't follow instructions, right? Yes, but he... <laughs> it's but, as simple but, as that. I know, but he's come out and sort of said it was... It was he ha- didn't handle it well, but he was right, he said. He was right that he was mentally right, he was fine, he was fit. So the wrong, but, he, but his behaviour was wrong, and that's what you're punishing, the, the, the behaviour. Yes. You, you, you wouldn't be punishing a player for one... No, every manager says, oh, I'm very glad my players want to stay on the pitch. Everyone's disappointed to come off. You're not, you're not punishing his desire to play. You're punishing the fact that he had a... At the very end of the press conference, Sari was asked, you know this looks like you don't have control of your players? Mm-hmm. And he said, no, no, I clearly do, because we had a plan of action. We imposed a new system. I told the players what to do, and they did it to the letter, and that proves that I have control of my players. It is about... A manager has to be like that. And this whole incident 
has un- undermined a small baby step in the right direction for Sarri. Paul? I think, yeah, he didn't have control, did he? I mean, if you look at that, <laughs> those few seconds where he's storming down the tunnel and going to the dressing room in, uh, in a massive paddy, I, that is, you know, he did look like he had control of his players then, did he? You know, he was throwing stuff on the floor, storming off down the tunnel, then turned around back again. You know, he was, he was, he'd been humiliated. There's, there's no escaping that. There's, so what there's no, do you do? I, I'd drop him. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd make him train with the kids for a month or something like that. I just think it's just a really bad message to send. How can you let a, a player get away with something like this? They've openly defying a manager's orders in front of, you know, not in front of 80,000 people in the stadium, but in front of millions of people watching worldwide. I just think it just looks really... It really does undermine his authority. And I think if he doesn't drop him, then it just sends a bad message to the players and says, oh, you can get away with this. And if he doesn't drop him or or punish him in some way, it, it, it shows that his time really is up at the club because it means the club is putting their investment, 70 million quid investment in a, in a goalkeeper before their manager's demeanour and, 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 and the way he portrays himself to, to the world. They're set, you know, it, it would show that he's so short-term, whereas they're thinking long-term about their investment. Paul, in many ways, it, it ruined what was a, a very good Chelsea performance because they really stifled City, didn't they? Yeah, as Alison was saying, you know, it was a baby step in the right direction, the way that Chelsea were playing. I've not seen certainly so devoid of ideas, uh, you know, or kind of any kind of impact uh, around the box as, as they were yesterday. It just They usually ping the ball around the box really quickly. You usually see the wingers getting wide and crossing in and there's someone there to tap, tap the ball in, but they just couldn't really get hold of, you know, get, get anywhere inside the Chelsea box. They had, you know, they had all the possession really, but they just couldn't do um, couldn't do anything with it. And I just thought in the second half, towards the end, I just thought, you know, Chelsea are going to win this. If there's one team that's going to win it, it's going to be Chelsea. Because City looked so tired. Um, you know, I think I think the World Cup's catching up with with them. They had 16 players at the World Cup. Nine of those players started yesterday, and they looked really leggy, really jaded, really tired. And I, I did think that Chelsea would, would go on to win it in that second half. Well, the quadruple is still on for City. No team actually has ever done that. No English team has actually ever won all three domestic trophies in a season either. So, Paul, can City make bigger and better history than they did last season? I think in terms of the quadruple, I, I'd, I'd be very surprised if they did it. The injuries yesterday to Paul and Fernandinho, you know, if, if you could pick two players the City wouldn't want to get injured. It'd be those two, because they've been so pivotal to the team this season. He's got no backup for Fernandinho, not really. Gundogan has played there in that deeper-lying midfield position a few times this season, and he's done all right. But when teams are, when you're playing against a team that really presses you, he struggles. He needs time on the ball. Um, so City don't really have a don't have a, a like-for-like replacement for him, so they need him back quickly. And Laporte has just been superb this season. He's far and away City's best defender, so to be without him is a is a blow as well. And so, yeah, I, I just can't see City winning all four. It's just gonna, it's just gonna, the, the number of games will probably catch up with him. I'd, I'd, you know, I think they might win two or three, but you know, all four is 
it's probably going to be beyond them. There are, of course, midweek Premier League fixtures. Manchester City are at home to West Ham on Wednesday. But perhaps the pick of the fixtures sees Chelsea hosting Tottenham, a Chelsea team that have played 120 minutes. Tottenham defeated at Burnley on Saturday. So, Gab, who goes into this game in the best shape? Oh, I think, I think Chelsea do. Whatever players think of the manager and the chaos and Kepa, and obviously, I think they went out there and this this performance gives you tremendous amount a tremendous amount of confidence and i think when they look back forensically and i've said this before but you know nobody listens because we all love easy narratives chelsea's worst games this season were against arsenal and against spurs it wasn't against manchester united where you know they didn't come up with ideas in the second half and they got booed so that sticks in there but that wasn't the worst the worst wasn't even the 6-0 because there were so many individual defensive errors in that game. This shows that if they stay concentrated, if they have a reasonable game plan, that they can hang in there. And obviously, you're going to have to approach Tottenham differently uh, at home. But you know, you're dealing with the Tottenham side that didn't come off a great result. And uh, yeah, so I, I'd go that way. Iguain will hopefully be a little more rested. You know, it's kind of gone unnoticed that. He didn't start this game, but um, I think him not starting was actually part of Sarri's idea that the Tottenham game on Wednesday is far more important to Chelsea's season than this League Cup final. This season, with your subscription to The Times and The Sunday Times, you can watch every highlight and every goal from every game in the Premier League. It's just £8 for an eight-week trial. For the first time in the Premier League era, it finished goalless between Manchester United and Liverpool at Old Trafford. It was a result that saw Liverpool return to the top of the Premier League. But Alison, Jurgen Klopp certainly cut a frustrated figure at full time. Wasn't the only one, literally. (laughs) It started promisingly and it looked like there was going to be a pattern for Liverpool in that game that the United were going to contain, try and contain, and that surely, eventually, um, Liverpool's bright sparks in their trio up front would would, would, would make a breakthrough. And it, it just became like, well, like, it, like Liverpool were, were playing in, in sand. It was, it was wet sand at that. It was just, it got slower and slower, more and more disjointed. And I honestly felt at one point, you know, that, that United could have been down to, to, you know, nine men and no subs left with the amount of injuries that were happening to them. And they would still have kept a clean sheet. They were really playing um, with a great deal of spirit and concentration and were just happy to, <laughs> to, to just keep it, to keep it at nil-nil, really. And um, I know Tony Cascarino says in the game on Monday... Liverpool are played like a team that do not believe they can win the title. I think it's really easy to apply these psychological descriptions to a team that might win its first title in nearly 30 years. I don't I doubt it's that. I think it's just lack of of rhythm and an inability to cope with it being about one thing this season. I mean, you know, warm weather training, I'm not a big fan of that, changing your routine. Going out of cups, losing losing sight of what it feels like to just win, 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 win. I just think the rhythm of the whole club is a bit askew at the moment. I think you've watched probably every single Liverpool game this season, whether yes. professionally or personally. Yes. I made this point before, but other than the Bournemouth game, 
at home. How far back do you have to go to find the last time Liverpool actually looked like Liverpool? Probably to the City game, which they lost. So after that, you had all these good results, for you had a couple of good results, but crappy performances. And then they have the warm weather training, and now there's more crappy performances. At what point does it actually catch up with you that these guys are really not playing well? Yeah, I see your point, Gab. Prior, the, the impression you got was Liverpool are getting the balance better. And yes, we've had to sacrifice some of that fast-paced, pressing beauty for a very grown-up, sensible way of defending and controlling matches. So it didn't matter as much if there wasn't that spark and that scintillating stuff. It didn't matter so much because you could drool over Virgil van Dijk or drool over distribution from the back and the, and the sense of, of calmness at the back, which we did not have last season as much. Everything just feels slightly soggy. Liverpool are top of the league, so it's clearly not going horribly wrong. But really, most teams who think they have the components to win a title against Manchester United with the problems they had, they didn't have that ruthless streak. It was disappointing. What about the front three then for Liverpool? We have spoken about them before. Roberto Firmino went off injured. Mo Salah was substituted. Sadio Mane was certainly subpar. Was it a bad day at the office or is this actually a long-term problem for, for Klopp Gab? I was shocked when, obviously, look, you had a ton of bad luck in this game. And before we go any further, let's just remind ourselves what Solskjaer was dealing with, right? He loses Matic. He plays this McTominay, which, you know, I know Mourinho said he's got everything to be one of the best players in the world. But the reality is he's Scott McTominay. So he loses Matic and then he loses Herrera and then he loses Lingard and then he loses... Mata, all in the first half, okay? So he's lost three players in the first half. This is just an absurd situation. What I'm imagining is the reason Firmino came off and he sent Sturridge on, and I'm guessing is that Klopp thought, okay, so they have so many injuries, he's going to sit back and take a page out of his, you know, the Mourinho handbook and hang on for the draw. So I'm better off with Sturridge because, you know, he's got more of a physical presence and, and, and whatever. Now, Sturridge was terrible, I thought, because logically it would have made more sense to put Shakiri in there and, and move, move Salah centrally. The thing is, once you've done that and it's not working, do something else. And yet it looked like they made it so easy for United. Let's not forget Rashford also. There was one point where I thought maybe he should take Rashford off and just play with 10 men just, just so he doesn't injure himself further because the guy was clearly, you know, it just wasn't worth having him out there, you know? So, I don't know. I, I don't think Mane was, is as bad. I think Salah is really having a really difficult time. Luke Shaw, who I think is a very good footballer, but, you know, he looked like Paolo Maldini out there against against Mohamed Salah. And that's not simply down to Shaw. It's also down to Salah. But, Gab, you, I know over the years you've tutted when people have spoken about tut, tut. T- psychological issues with clubs do you agree with me that it's not that Liverpool don't believe they can win the title and it's paralyzing them what is the reason then would you think for this sludginess I think it's um I mean broadly speaking I think it's down to the fact that Salah has is regressing to he's not as great as he was last season um but he's still very good I think Firmino's having a very poor year um, a very inconsistent year. I think Firmino was absolutely critical to the way 
Liverpool played last season because he can do so many different things and he makes the players around him better. I think that is kind of a key component. I think when you when you have to make a change in the front three, you know, you're not bringing on anybody who can do what Mane, Firmino, and Salah do. You're, you're bringing in somebody different in the form of Sturridge uh, or or Shakiri, who you know can do some of the stuff but not the other stuff. And I think you really you really lose something there. It's not that they failed to create chances because they weren't you know pressing. It's not what pressing you going to do against a United team that's basically you know playing with one arm tied behind their back. I think there was actually a, a, a big lack of a big lack of creativity. I wonder if maybe somebody like Nabi Keita could have done something running at people in a game like this. But you know this was really where. Or, or, or maybe Alexander Arnold, but you know this is this is just a, an overall drop. I thought. Gabs already mentioned the injuries that United suffered in that game. It was though a great atmosphere at Old Trafford. Solskjaer called the fans the eleventh man. Paul, how big is the appetite for Solskjaer to get the job permanently? Then the eleventh man because he's he's not counting Rashford. Yeah, <laughs> yeah the twelfth man. Did he say the eleventh man? He did say the eleventh man. <laughs> Poor Rashford. Poor Rashford. It doesn't reflect well on uh, on Rashford, does it? Um, Yeah, the appetite for him to get a job is is growing by the minute. He's played 14, won 11, drawn two, lost one, Solskjaer. And he's, you know, those matches uh, at the start, the the opinion was, you know, wait till he comes up against the big teams. Now he's faced Spurs, Arsenal, uh, Liverpool, Chelsea. I know they lost to Paris Saint-Germain. That was a a bad night for them. But he's still... People are starting to think now. Just, just give it to him. You know, everything's settled. Everything, everyone's enjoying going to Old Trafford. The results are coming. You know, and, and United are are up there again. Teams do fear going to Old Trafford again. So why, why, why rip it all up and start again? And, and another aspect to this is, if you look at Solskjaer's backroom staff, uh, particularly um, Mike Field, and you know, everyone thought at United that it was a mistake that Moyes got rid of him when he came in. If, if Pochettino does come in as another manager this summer, then you can see him wanting to bring in his own staff. He won't want, presumably, Mike Phelan and and uh, Michael Carrick, Kieran McKenna to to stay on. So it's it will be ripping it up and starting again just for the sake of it. I just think it's going so well at the moment that the last thing that this uh, that United need is is more upheaval. So that's why you know the fans want him to want him to carry on. As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
plushcare.com slash weight loss. On a big day in English football, we also had another managerial dismissal in the Premier League. The long-rumoured departure of Claude Puel from Leicester becoming a reality on Sunday morning, with Puel sacked after their 4-1 defeat to Crystal Palace at the King Power. Uh, it's the first time Leicester have lost four games in a row at home for nearly 20 years. Alison, any sense of surprise then in this decision? It's the least, <laughs> least surprising sacking for quite a long time, really. And I don't know how on earth you keep going at a club. The fans know it, the players know it, the staff at the club know it, the media know it. At the very best, you're going to last to the summer. Even if that had happened and he'd lasted, Puel had lasted to the summer, I don't see how he could have engineered much that was positive in the intervening period. It's it's not a good way to... It's really not a good way to run a club, to get impatient with somebody either act, just say it's not working, goodbye, or don't let the manager keep going. And there, there were, there was, you know, there was the tragedy at the club and that, that, that changed the landscape of things. And actually that whole thing was quite interesting because Puel, the way he dealt with, with the players and the media and stuff, he came out of it with great credit and dignity, but then he undermined himself by saying he was going to win cup competitions to honour the name of the owner who died in the helicopter crash. And then he put out teams that were clearly B teams and he was not taking the cup seriously so that really made the fans very very confused and disgruntled. Puel acted like a manager who just didn't care what people said about him whether they be high up at the club young players uh, superstar players or, or, or the media and it just got a bit sour really so it's, yeah to answer your question not the least bit surprising but once it becomes an open secret it's really hard to do job properly. What I find odd about Leicester is this might be the seventh best squad in the Premier League. There's really good players. You could actually do a lot with it. I mean, I'm, I'm obviously Maguire's a, an England international. I'm a huge fan of, of Ricardo Pereira. I think he's one of the best attacking fullbacks out there. You've got really, really good youngsters like Barnes and, and Madison. Vardy, who maybe isn't what he was, but he still scores. Indeed, he's a beast. They spent a ton of money on, on Yuri Tielemans. You've got Damari Gray. Am, am I forgetting... Well, I mean, more you, talented you, you, people. Yeah, I mean, yeah, this no, is you, you, if you if you were forced to choose a fullback p- pairing from any club, you might go for the oh, Chilwell, yeah, Chil- the, you know, <laughs> the, the pair of them. They're great. I mean, this this is arguably a better squad than than Everton, and prob- I mean, on paper, it's probably a better squad than anybody outside the top six. And when they play well, they play better than anyone else outside the top six. When they play well, so because he hasn't lit a fire under them, it's the right decision to to let him go. Yes? Is that, is that, oh, well, that that's well, I was asked whether it was surprising and it was not the least bit surprising. Whether it's right or not is a different question. Depends if you can get somebody better and we know who they're getting. <laughs> um, well, we don't know, but the man who's been strongly linked is a former Liverpool manager, Brendan Rodgers, who, he's obviously gone to Celtic. He's, he's done well. What I find interesting about Brendan Rodgers and what I still can't figure out is Liverpool fans, once they get going, once they decide they don't like you, you're kind of toast, right? We, we saw it. We saw it with Roy Hodgson, right? And you're making a sad face because it's Uncle Roy. Roy. <laughs> and he's really old now. He's even older than, than, than Bobby Robson was. But there was some good in Brendan. I, I think we were all colored by that stupid, stupid documentary that, that he did. And, you know, these three guys will let me down. And the teeth and his behavior. <laughs> and Big portrait. 
Which again, he has a whole defense for it. He was some charity say. I, I just wonder. I mean, if he'd had a PR consultant or even just a friend who'd said, "Brendan, don't act this way because you're not helping yourself. Your football's actually really good, or or good enough for this club." This just magnifies your mistakes. Would it have been different? Would you, would you, would Liverpool fans have viewed it differently, or did the did the football just degenerate? Like, there's no question. I think his public persona made things worse, right, Alex? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He was he was a comedy figure. I mean, Alan Partridge is back on Monday night on BBC One, and I, I'd put Brendan Rodgers in that category. I think he'd make a perfect guess on Alan Partridge's new chat show. On but BBC but One. part of this might be a bit unfair because you're a manager, you're a coach, and. From that perspective, from his nuts and bolts coaching, he wasn't bad. It's not his fault Gerard slipped, right? No, he's not, he's not a trouble coach, but I, I do find his linking... OK, be serious, forget about the teeth for a minute if you can. But the, the reason I don't think he's right for Leicester and the people who currently own Leicester is... Rodgers is, is a slight fantasist. So Celtic are knocked out of the Europa League by Valencia and apparently they played beautiful football and, and they actually won, really. And the reason the reason I never took to Rodgers, it was because I saw him when he was manager of Swansea and they lost 4-1 at Stamford Bridge and he beamed about the defeat and said it was a wonderful advertisement for his style of Swans alone football. He does seem to take himself just a bit too seriously and lacks pragmatism he had and he struggled at Liverpool with the whole there are some players here who are beloved of the club and the fans and I'm just a caretaker here he couldn't really handle egos and famously didn't play Steven Gerrard when they faced Real Madrid his record in European competition is astonishingly abysmal what Leicester fans need now is a manager who is completely honest and you know says it as it is and has that ability to link the stars that won the title if they are kept on at the club and a lot of them might not be because of their contract situation but can can link the stars who have the history with a wealth of you young talent and and and, and make it work properly and do what he says you know Puel is partly let down by saying one thing and doing another and then shrugging okay so if it's not Brendan Rodgers another former Liverpool manager has also been linked Rafa Benitez could he do a job well he could do a job anywhere I don't think he'll go there not I mean certainly not before the summer yeah I mean I think Rafa you'd be talking about the summer there'd be implications about Newcastle Mike Ashley I think what we know about Rafa is that he likes to work uh I think he'd manage for free if he if you know if he was just out of work long enough. So I think if they want him, they'd probably have to wait for the summer. But Leicester is probably, in terms of budgets, uh, a step up, at least given who the current Newcastle owner is. But then again, I think Rafa's rep is still big enough that maybe he can he can even dream a little bit bigger than than Leicester potentially. You're saying Rafa wouldn't leave if he did; it would be the summer. What about Rogers? Would he leave earlier? Or do you think, again, that's another summer appointment if that's to be made? It wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me. He's he did dump Celtic now. <laughs> yeah, he, I, I would assume he'd be more likely to, or maybe even to parlay it into a big contract extension. I mean, how do we know that they're looking at Rodgers? It's a very leaky club, Leicester. Right. So it's not that the leak comes from a man in a cul-de-sac in suburban Glasgow with a large picture. No, I mean. <laughs> he may be stoking the league. But, but I just want to one last thing about Rodgers. It's one thing when we say managers are, are bad or, or do bad things. It's another thing when, when we go and kind of really mock, mock them as people. You brought up the teeth. I mean, yes. I didn't bring up the teeth. You brought up the teeth. Managers are incredibly fortunate people. I know they work very hard to get there, but 
There's many more managers than there are football clubs. In the Premier League, they get paid a ton of money. They have a lot of responsibility, but they also get to go and manage young men playing a sport. And that's a privilege, and they should be held to account for that. I do find it interesting that with some managers, we just say, oh, look, he really screwed up. With others, we go and flat-out mock them. And most people would say, Conte screwed up his second season. That's why he's no longer there. Even Mourinho, I don't think, was mocked. There's still an idea. People said Mourinho lost it, whatever. With Rodgers, he was mocked and humiliated as a person, which took it to a very different level. I'd be really curious if he does come back to see if his behavior changes. Like, what is, I'm curious to see if that was a Liverpool thing or if he's learned that some of his behavior needs to change. Don't go out and say, oh, I won't make my, we'll just make Mario Balotelli a better footballer. I'll make him a better person. I mean, there's a whole sort of, you know, compendium of, of quotes, which, which I have to say also hypocritically, a lot of people, Liverpool fans, when things were good with Rodgers, they all bought into it. Not all, no, sorry, not everybody, not Allison. Allison sniffed him out from day one, and then a lot of people turn on him. I just think he, the guys, I think people deserve a second chance, and I'll be curious if he comes back, whether he can let his football do the talking. Because Some people are just... I think his football is good. I don't, you know, he's not a genius necessarily, but, but, to answer but people own... forgot all the good that he did. Yeah, but you've, you've wondered why some managers don't get mocked and some do. I think it's all about how nakedly hubristic you are, and Rodgers is incapable of hiding how clever he thinks he is okay it is time now for our weekly predictions game where we try and correctly predict the scores in five featured games every weekend now we both saw gab the draw at old trafford coming although neither of us predicted that it would finish goalless between manchester united and liverpool nor did we predict all the players dropping like flies <laughs> uh we both predicted arsenal victory over uh southampton Although, obviously, neither of us predicted an Arsenal clean sheet. How could we have possibly predicted that? I don't know. Anyway, we both thought uh, League One leaders Luton would see off Coventry, but the Sky Blues took a point away from Kenilworth Road. Yes, and and I blame you for that, because you said that, oh, look, it's not Nathan Jones. The guy who took over for him, Mick Hartford, is just as good. They're Clearly still not. unbeaten at Kenilworth Road, the only team in all four divisions. But they can't beat Coventry. Weren't Coventry like? Weren't they going to move to Northampton? And isn't the club a mess and everything? They, sadly, so yeah. yes. Now we both correctly predicted a Dortmund victory over Leverkusen, although it was kind of squeaky bomb when it was three-one, <laughs> and then Leverkusen scored <laughs> yeah. to make it three-two, and Dortmund hadn't won in five games in all competition. So that meant it all came down to the Carabao mm. Cup final. And while Natalie predicted a city win within 90 minutes, going with the favorites, uh, I predicted correctly extra time, uh, as well as correctly predicting Jorginho missing a penalty. And that means, <laughs> not even, which means that I am victorious this week. So it is now 14 8 to me. Wasn't week. it 14 8 last week, Charlie? No, it was 14 7. As Natalie feels me coming closer in the rearview mirror. Uh, let's do some quick hits. It was quite a debut for Miguel Almiron in Newcastle's 2-0 win over Huddersfield. Paul, they're going to be just fine, right? I think so now. I think when the, when um, Newcastle has gone so long without breaking the transfer record, you know, it was Michael Owen for, for so long for, for him to come in and actually for Newcastle to spend that money. It does give him a lift. And they are, you know, they're now four points above the, the relegation zone, and they've got Burnley at home tomorrow. So another couple of wins, I think, will be fine. Yeah. 
Arsenal up to fourth after beating Southampton 2-0. Yes, they even kept a clean sheet. Uh, Alison, should Arsenal fans be getting excited? It would be hugely ironic if they were getting excited. I thought they were supposed <laughs> to be incredibly bored by fighting for fourth uh, year after year after year. So, no, they should not be getting excited. It's the least a club of their stature should be achieving. I still feel they should be getting more excited about the fact they have a manager who's a specialist in winning the Europa League and they're still in the Europa League and they might have a bit of fun doing that. Oh, it's not patronising or anything. <laughs> Natalie, one for you. Mm-hmm. Your mate Paul Scholes, how's he doing as older manager? Ah, well, his reign at Boundary Park began well. 4-1 win it was, at home to Yeovil a fortnight ago. That then followed with a draw at home to Crewe before a last gasp home defeat to Morecambe. Then on Saturday, in his first away game, he took his Oldham side to Bury, flying high in the league of Bury, and they were swept aside Oldham 3-1. So if you were a glass half-empty kind of person, you could say Scholes' time as the Oldham manager started very well, but has got progressively worse. Four games in a fortnight, though, it is pretty tough. Life in League Two. Bury, I believe, is the club where... His former teammate Gary Neville's dad, Indeed. also named Neville, uh, who passed away a few years ago, used to be the club secretary for many years. And the, isn't there the stand, the Neville Neville stand, I believe. Fun fact. <laughs> Harry Kane believes Tottenham's title hopes are still intact, even following their 2-1 defeat at Burnley. Paul, do you agree with that? No. <laughs> I think it's just... <laughs> Next. No, I, I just, I, yeah, the six points is a, is a huge gap to... Bridge, and if you look at their fixtures as well, they've got Chelsea away obviously this week, then Liverpool away, Arsenal at home, and City away. And if you win, you, you know, it's, it's gonna be practically impossible for them to win all those matches. I think you know, they should probably just you know concentrate their efforts maybe on the Champions League. Obviously, you know, they're all but through, aren't they, to the quarterfinals? So they could still have a good run in that. But yeah, I think the league's gone for them now. Now, Alison, I have to go all the way back onto Friday ages ago. We don't normally do that. But it really bugs me that Chicharito handled the ball to score and obviously gets away with it, despite the fact that he's cheating blatantly and he's not going to face an FA charge. But instead, Pochettino, who's responsible for all that is light and good in the world, simply for having a full and frank exchange of ideas with Mike Dean, he will face an FA charge. Can you explain this? Well, first of all, there's an illo- illogicality to the question. To Mike Dean. Well, no, no. I mean, if I if I if I if I get away with shoplifting a tiara, but you go to prison for drink driving, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't go to prison because I got away with something. I mean, it's they're very separate crimes that yes, have been committed here. But if I catch you on CCTV stealing that tiara, which, by the way, I'm trying to picture you in a tiara, um, <laughs> surely I would then prosecute you. No. Well, we don't. Well, the, the laws haven't been made that way yet. With with. Um, the no, act, the act that Chikorited, and and he 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 is being punished actually because now whenever he plays, whenever his name is read out, whenever people analyse him, they will think of him as a cheat, and that is a far greater punishment in some respects. Mm. But I am all for um, managers being hauled up for you know this is a referees are still just blokes doing their best to make the game work, well, and you can't talk to them like that. Why was ridiculous. he so angry with Mike Dean? Was it just because, I mean, I, I know the, the, the lead-up to the goal, there was the, the ball did not come off for Dongan. Yeah. It and it's pretty obvious when you see, like, the direction the ball goes that it's sort of physically impossible that the Burnley guy did not touch it, but is that why he, he just sort of lost his rag like that? Yeah, and he also thought Mike Dean's 
um, one hundredth red card was bound to come against a, a Burnley player, and he didn't, so he's felt let down. It's <laughs> disappointing for Mike Dean. Come on. <laughs> okay, Gab, one for you. You wrote a column today about how Barcelona are messy dependent. Surely any team with the best player in the world would be right. Yes, but they're messy dependent to a degree that we really haven't seen before. I mean, I know we're just so immune to this, right? Because we take it for granted that we live in this era, but. Messi scored the most league goals of any player in the top five leagues in Europe. Not just by a little, but by a margin of four. He has 25 goals, and Kylian Mbappe, uh, who you know tends to shoot fish in a barrel most week, has 21. Which is still a lot, but no, nobody in Europe has given more assists than Lionel Messi. At the same time, it's the same dude. Messi's led the league in assists in, in La Liga, I think, in three of the last four years, as well as scoring all those goals. And this is a season where Luis Suarez is, is, is hit or miss, Coutinho hasn't settled, Dembele's injured, and when he's fit, he's inconsistent. Vidal looks like a head case. Pique's getting older. Umtiti's been out for three months. Other than the goalkeeper, Marc-Andre Ter Stegen, who's been tremendous, and to some degree, Jordi Alba, nobody else has been consistently good at Barcelona. They're just not a particularly good team, and yet he makes them a really good team. And I don't know, I just kind of feel like we shouldn't just go, go and take this for granted year after year. All right, that's all we've got time for today. Many thanks to our excellent guests, Alison Rudd, and, of course, the man beloved by people up and down the country. Yes, it's Paul Hurst. Remember, you can subscribe to The Times and The Sunday Times to enjoy award-winning journalism online and on your smartphone or tablet. It is just a pound a week for an eight-week trial. Search The Times subscription for more information. Natalie will be back on Thursday. I may or may not be, depending on whether we can rearrange the taping time of this podcast. (laughs) Um, But we will have reaction to that game at Stamford Bridge, plus a look ahead at the North London Derby and the Merseyside Derby. Yes, how awesome is it when you've got two massive derbies on the same weekend? Thank you, Premier League broadcasters, and thank you, Richard Scudamore. The game is brought to you by The Times. For more information and more podcasts from The Times, head to thetimes.co.uk. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone.